knows what this will trigger. Number one, commercial growth. How do you go from a vision into the reality? And what happens when you hit the bumps on the road? Do you change your vision? Do you hold fast? That's going to be our first topic. What about digital transformation? Do you do that in-house? Do you work with partners? And what do we make of all these buzzwords all around us? Do we ignore them? Or do we tune in to machine learning and artificial intelligence and everything else? But what's the reality from people running some of Britain's fastest growth businesses? What about talent? If you're struggling in any area of your business to attract the best, what can you do about it? Not just in general philosophical terms, what practical tips have you got and have our guests got that can help you through to the next level? And most importantly, if you have that energy zapping feeling when talent's leaving you, what do you do to turn that around and how can you keep them on board? So we've got companies who have kept the best and continue to attract the best and I'm gonna quiz them about how they do it. Finally, what about going global? Hands up today if you've got customers overseas. Hands up, going global, that's at least half the room, okay. Where to pick, why to pick it, whether to have a plan, whether to roll with serendipity and opportunity. I'm gonna be quizzing our panels about that. So we've got keynotes and panels galore, but we want your questions as well. So without further ado, this first keynote is pitch perfect for today because actually when I speak to founders, they talk to me a lot when they're scaling up businesses about talent and they talk to me a lot about money. And the first thing they say to me is how, is, how confusing is it? Knowing what's out there, knowing what I qualify for, knowing who's out there, knowing how much I might need. And so through the fog comes our first speaker in one fell swoop, and that's the name of her business. Andrea Reynolds is the CEO and the founder of Swoop. She spent a long time with one of the big four, with KPMG. She's a non-executive director of Berkshire Hathaway European Insurance. And she's worked with hundreds of small and medium-sized enterprises all over the place to help them close, well, almost 200 million pounds in funds. So if your business right now is thinking, where's that growth capital going to come from? Or somebody close to you is facing that sort of dilemma, I think Swoop is going to have something to just start the mind working for this first session. So why don't we give an elite business welcome to our first speaker to get us thinking about this hugely important conversation. It's Andrea Reynolds, and she leads Swoop. Morning. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Um, just going to grab the click here. Now, so um, you're probably thinking after that, it must be easy peasy starting a business when you know all about funding, etc. But um, just to give you, I'm going to take you quickly through what Swoop is. Um, I had my idea and my vision for Swoop in 2014. So while this looks all fabulous, um, there were lots of bumps along the way, and I'm not going to stand here and tell you how easy it is. Um, I'm going to tell you about some of the learnings I had. But just to give you a quick synopsis of of Swoop. Uh, we call ourselves a one-stop money shop for uh, business. And uh, what Swoop does is it you can integrate your data sources, your accounting software, your bank accounts. Uh, we integrate with uh, publicly available information. And what we do is build your business profile. And the point of that is because we connect with all of the different providers in the market, everything from lenders to grant agencies uh, to investors in the market. 
budget, and then we also analyze where you can start to save money. Um, so the idea is uh, we're putting the, the power into the hands of business owners to be able to make the right financial decisions. Um, and as I've mentioned, we're, we're not just looking at the funding side, but uh, uh, small and medium businesses are the most overcharged customer segment in the market. Um, so there's over four billion in FX overcharging, over a billion in your telcos that you're paying for, over three billion in the energy that you're paying. Um, so we're really working hard to uh, help you find those savings and switch to better providers. And then the other element is, giving you the insights that lenders have or the decisions that they're making. So you being able to see the metrics that providers are using on when they're making decisions, whether to give you funding or not. So that's what we do. Um, as I say, you can build your profile and then we, we click and we, we manage to, to get all the, um, the elements for you. A bit of background on, on us as a business. We launched in May 2018, so we're a pretty young business. Um, we've over 6,000 uh, businesses on the platform that we have managed to get funding for. And at any one time, we've about 820 live deals going on, um, resulting in, in uh, completing funding for our businesses of 80 million so far. Um, I'm now going to start getting into things about the business. Um, so as I mentioned, in 20, I, I myself was a corporate finance advisor for many, many years. So when I started my business, it was actually resulting from a place of frustration where I was working with a lot of um, young businesses who really need the help of corporate finance advisors, but of course can never afford it. Um, and I just thought this whole system is broken. We're spending our time filling in lots of applications. Government are a disaster. Um, in fact, my project started from me presenting uh, to government how disastrous they are at engaging with small and medium businesses on us trying to navigate what grants we're eligible for, filling out loads of applications and basically wasting a lot of our time because we're never eligible in the first place. So my idea was how can I make this easier for businesses who are entitled to this funding to access it? And why does it have to be so hard for the very people who are actually the engine of this economy? And so that was the idea. Um, it's easy having an idea, it's hard to actually execute on it. So what I thought was I have my understanding of the market. I went out and spoke to all my providers and I said, what if we turn this into a, into a platform? Of course, there's not one person in the world who's ever said to me, this is a bad idea. So the idea bit was not my problem. It was about how do I go and execute on it? And you can probably tell I'm not a 20-year-old living in Shoreditch with a lovely great beard. I'm not a techie. I come from the finance world. Um, and so the first obstacle I had to overcome was how to navigate building great tech when I'm not a tech expert. Um, we talked about talent. How do you go about finding talent when you're trying to build technology? And so I thought, well, um, there's one thing I am good at doing. I'm good at raising money for young businesses. So I met two guys from Google um, who were getting a bit frustrated at Google. They wanted to leave to build a game. And I said to them, look, I'll tell you what. 
If you work for me two weeks of the month, I'll work for you two weeks of the month, and I'll raise you the money that you need to build your game. You build me my prototype. And so they left Google, um, and they built my prototype for free. Um, and I got, them their, I got them a grant for their game, and I got them their first round of investment. So sometimes you kind of need to start being creative about how you're going to get things. So think about what are you good at that you can offer talent, especially in the early days. Everyone thinks it's hard to move talent away from Google. It's not as hard as people think. Um, most people join Google to add a zero to their salary and then leave. They're genuinely looking to make an impact in the world. So if you can tell them they're going to solve a great problem, you can attract them that way. The next thing was I got my prototype. I managed to get my first, I won a competition with my prototype, got my first 50K. That's great. What do I do with that 50K? How do I employ a tech team to take it to the next level? And that's where my, my co-founder and my first advisor came into the picture. My co-founder had built uh, a previous platform. He actually came to me to raise money for his platform, and I managed to convince him to come over to the other side. Um, and the other one is um, a brilliant advisor who has opened up many doors for me. And again, it's another element, I would say, in terms of key decisions I made that helped me get from vision to reality. Um, I met Simon Devonshire when I was presenting my evidence to government. We walked to the tube station together after the session. He was the entrepreneur in residence at the Department of Business. By the time he got on his tube, I had said, I'm going to take you for another coffee. Took him for another coffee. Took him for another coffee. Suddenly, I was like, oh, do you want to be an advisor in my business? Um, and he became an advisor, then became an investor in the business, and has opened so many doors for us um, in terms of uh, getting into key partners in the market that would never have spoken to a startup. So I would say another key element is choosing people to be on your team, even if it's just in an informal way of being an advisor. And um, the other key decision that was made along the way that has helped us get to quadrupling our growth year on year is when we started out, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to go direct to businesses. Um, I, th this is so important. Of course, they're going to pick this up, and of course, they're going to go with it. And then you realize, oh, distribution is harder than you think, even when you think you have the best product in the world. Trying to get the attention of small and medium business owners is near impossible. They're too busy running their businesses and trying to get sales and, and, uh, and keep things going. The next decision we made was, well, there's lots of key partners out there that maybe we can go and talk to who actually have the trust and the attention of business owners. And that decision from trying to go one to many, uh, or one to one, we could go one to many by having these key conversations. So we managed to win some key partners like Hiscox, um, Make It Cheaper. Um, we run funding masterclasses with Virgin. Um, and so that really helped us go from being a small number of customers to a large number of customers. So, and I've heard this myself at many, many accelerator programs I've been on, which is distribution is everything. You can have the greatest product in the world. If you don't have distribution, it's over. So I took that lesson on board, and, and that's why we ended up with partners. And recently, this year, what's happened, when we started out, we thought banks 
wouldn't like us, that we may be taking um, revenues away from them by showing people cheaper alternatives in terms of lending. Funnily enough, banks are now our partners, um, and they're the best distributors of all, uh, because as much as people complain about their, uh, their banks, um, you, you wouldn't believe it, but uh, they still go to their bank manager. First place that a business goes to when looking for finance is their bank manager. So for us, that was a, a, a real turning point in the business and, and distribution being, being key. Next thing is money. Uh, how can we keep things moving um, as we're trying to turn, turn the idea into, into reality? Building technology is incredibly expensive. And you go down a lot of cul-de-sacs, particularly if you're not a tech expert yourself. Um, and I uh, run uh, workshops uh, every week uh, for businesses trying to help them navigate the funding landscape. And the key theme that comes out, particularly for domain experts but not tech experts, is I, I raised some money, but I, I wasted a lot of it on poor tech. I hired a team in whatever country it was. I thought they were cheaper. I thought they were going to deliver, and you didn't get what you should have gotten. Um, so that's one of probably the biggest challenges that we're, we're seeing at the moment for, for non-tech experts. So you go through cash faster. Even if you're not a tech company, if you're in food and beverage, you, uh, like Alana, you might choose an outsourcer, suddenly realize you've got a, a, a bad chink in your, in your supply chain. How do you fix all of these things? So when you're raising money, you have set out this beautiful cash flow forecast, and you're thinking, this cash is going to get me to this milestone. Well, it never turns out like that. You burn through cash faster than you, than you think you're going to. Things happen, we have coronavirus, you have Brexit, you have all of these things that you cannot control. Um, so I would always say on the funding side, another lesson we learned was raise more than you think you're going to need. Um, some other tips I would mention, I, I suppose I was in the lucky position that I knew every rock to look under for every piece of funding. And knowing where your next pot of cash is going to come from is key. When you have money, raise money. That's the, the, the key thing. Never go for a loan when you're about to run out of cash in two or three months' time. Never go to an investor when you're about to run out of cash because they'll wait until you've run out and then get a better valuation. So one of the things we did was we played on two markets uh, to get the maximum amount of cash. And what I mean by that is uh, we're live in Ireland and we're live in the UK. Um, Ireland is great for amazing government supports, easy to capture, it's, it's pretty easy, there's one agency that you speak to. The UK is fantastic for what's known as SEIS and EIS funding. So private sector here in the UK is much stronger than in, in Ireland. So what we did was we married the two. We went to the Irish guys and we said, oh, if you give us 300,000, we can get that matched in the UK. Went to the UK and said, hey, if you give us 300,000, we can get that matched over here in, in Ireland. And everyone's like, oh, half her round is complete. Once you say half your round is complete, they're in. They don't want to be the first mover in, in your investment round. So playing two markets, it doesn't have to be Ireland. It could be Northern Ireland. Um, Invest Northern Ireland is an amazing uh, agency as well. So if you're thinking of establishing uh, your manufacturing operations or another office somewhere, 
always look at what does that market have to offer. And I mean that regionally, not just uh, if you're from, from London, there are certain things here that work, but if you're from Birmingham, there's other, there's other schemes that work, like the Midlands Engine Investment Fund. So knowing how to play the market to maximize the amount that you can raise is key. Um, and for me, I think that was the easiest part for me. If I couldn't do it, well then, what's wrong with me? It's, uh, that's what my platform is. So we, we raised uh, 1.2 million across the two markets. And then I suppose the biggest uh, shift in our business was we, we won two uh, big banking industry competitions uh, last year, which um, has resulted in getting over five million in, in funding. And what that does is it enables us now to really speed up our development of tech, um, but also what it does is it puts you on the map uh, with banks. Very, very difficult uh, customer base to access, and I suppose winning something like that suddenly opens uh, doors for you. Um, so I think that's kind of the main, in, in terms of where we're at in our journey, as I said, launched in 2018. Uh, we're now, uh, th this year we've just hit uh, two and a half million in revenues, and, and next year it's looking like um, six. So very, very fast growth. I suppose the last piece, that the bit that I'm going through right now, which is our latest challenge, is um, hiring. Um, Probably my biggest heartache of all is hiring, um, hiring tech talent, hiring the right people for your business. Uh, so we've gone from a team of three uh, to a team of 45 in the last few months. Um, so that's been a really big challenge. Um, one of the things that we've discovered in terms of attracting more tech talent is they buy into the mission. They're buying into uh, wanting to make a difference and, and creating an impact, which is a lovely thing now that you're, you're able to attract people not just on, on salary. The other one is uh, we've just opened an office in Barcelona because a lot of them said, we're thinking of moving. Uh, they can all, of course, work remotely, and apparently Barcelona is the new place they want to be. Great tax breaks for developers there, nice weather, etc. So it was a no-brainer. We literally went to Barcelona, opened an office, and said, "Hey, we've an office in Barcelona. We've attracted five tech people on that basis alone, and works out cheaper for us." So um, I would say just be. Be open, be open to anything. Um, it's easy to, to operate and move around into different markets. Um, and I, I suppose the biggest challenge is uh, market entry in terms of finding customers in these new markets. As I say, we're, we're live in Ireland as well, and it's been a real learning curve. You can probably tell from my accent, I'm Irish, and I thought it's going to be easy to go back into my home market. I know my people. Well, not the case. Um, the culture in Ireland for raising funding is completely different to the culture in the UK. Um, how you uh, frame and phrase your, your landing page needs to be completely different to how you phrase it in the UK. Um, and so one of the key learnings we've had already from just dipping our toe into going global is localization. You cannot, um, 
I, I suppose you just can't patronize another um, culture with, well, we're a UK business and we're landing here and everything is, is UK uh, focused and we've just opened up the platform to, to this country. You have to speak and have imagery and uh, everything has to be related to the localized area. Um, so, and, and we learned this, on, I went on a market entry accelerator program and uh, one of, it was held in Paris and they were just so delighted to tell us that Amazon is a complete failure in France and uh, reason and Uber is a complete failure in France and they only go for French uh, websites, French providers, etc. So uh, yeah, you can make a lot of, lot of mistakes along the way and you need to understand uh, that side of things. So I suppose that's a quick whistle stop tour of our journey so far. Um, as I say, it's not plain sailing. It's an absolute one minute you're on a high, next minute you're crying your eyes out thinking, what have I done? Um, and so I, I suppose if there's any questions anyone has, something that I've, I've said there that might have touched on, on something that was relevant to you, happy to take Q&A. Or I think the rest of the panel are going to join soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Um, well, we are going to get the panel up, but if, if there are questions, I will uh, take them now. I've got one because, uh, well, the first question was going to be those coffees you had with Simon Devonshire, yeah. were they all at the same time or was this over several <laughs> weeks this, and months? This was over uh, about a period of two months. Well, and, yeah. it leads me to a, a serious question, which is top tip for dealing with and landing an angel investor. What would you pass on? Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, top tip is... Uh, you want to try and land a strategic angel investor, not any angel investor, because they can be a detriment to your business mm -hmm. as much as a, a compliment. Yes. Um, so, like I found Simon Devonshire, find people on LinkedIn or that are at conferences like this and go and connect with them on LinkedIn and ask them out for coffee. Don't ask them for funding. And you can play on, they want to share their advice. Yeah. Simon is just delighted to yes. have me to listen and to. And he's at Tall Man Business on Twitter. He's, at, he's massive. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, at Tall and Man and so that's, that's what I would do is get to know them first. But I would also say, be careful when trying to raise with angel investors. There's a lot of hobbyist angel investors out there who like to go to events. And if your deal is not moving every two weeks, alarm bells need to go off because the number of businesses that come and say, I thought I had my angel investor um, landed and now he's just walked away yeah. or he's looking for more investment. Did anyone see Dragon's Den last night, by the way? My lovely customer, Von Sai, uh, from Nimble Babies, uh -huh. we helped him get Innovate UK, got his first round of funding, was on Angel's Den last night and he mm -hmm. got funded. But I think he should have done better on his valuation. Yeah, he gave away too much. Sure, <laughs> so right. yeah, mind has the anyone, angel um, investors. Has, has anyone got a question for Andrea? Because we've got plenty more for her. Yes, at the back, feel free to say where you're from, sir. You don't have to. We're going to race in an Olympic style a microphone to you. Thank you. <laughs> feel yes, free to say where you're from. You don't have to. Go. Good morning. My name is Jody Downs from Mattioli Woods. Did you concern yourself with the dilution when you raised your first man of equity and how much you were sort of willing to give away in relation to the Dragon's Den comment you just made? Yeah, um, the answer, I get asked about valuation all the time. If it's your first raise, um, I would say the way angel investors work, they shouldn't be considering taking more than about 25% in your first round. And if they are, 
again, another alarm bell should go off. They're, they're supposed to keep you motivated in the round. But I would say don't get hung up on valuation. The way I always say to, to businesses is don't go in with your valuation. Say, I'm waiting to hear what the market says um, so that you don't get stuck in that row with them in the early stages of it and then wait to see what they come back with. Um, the other thing is people think it's all about valuation. Well, I see a lot, uh, a business owner says, no, I'm not moving from my valuation. And the investor says, oh, well, we'll come up with some instruments to get, help you get to your valuation. Well, you've just done yourself a disservice there because the way they create those instruments mean they get first preference. They, uh, there's numerous things. So don't get hung up on valuation. Um, think about what are they bringing mm. and where it's going to get you to. Okay, good yeah. advice. We've come up with some instruments. It sounds medieval. I don't quite, <laughs> I don't quite know. Um, Andrea, thank you. Let's no have a round of applause. Andrew, please have a seat in seat number one. Um.